Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum jami'an ayyuhal mustami'in wal mustami'at. Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International, welcome back to Hayatun Tayyibah with myself, Mu'alima Shakita Hanja, here at Radio Islam International. Alhamdulillah, our show Hayatun Tayyibah is every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. And we are always looking at ways of developing our minds, our souls, our imani tools, and most importantly, you know, not making the same mistakes over and over and expecting different results. Now, as we are heading towards Ramadan, many of us are focused on our eating and our worries about eating, etc. But I think one important problem that we as South Africans are failing to recognize and we are unaware of is the very massive, massive, massive difference between a person who is regularly overweight and that person would like to lose some weight as opposed to a person who is suffering from obesity and that person is trying to lose massive amounts of weight. Now, alhamdulillah, joining me on the line is Sister Nazmi. Khan, who is a registered dietitian and owner of My Dietitian Say So, and her name, is, uh, Alhamdulillah, she is going to be talking to us about obesity versus abnormal weight gain. Sister Nazneen, Jazakumullah Khair for joining me today. Ahlan wa sahlan wa biki, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for spending this time with us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and thank you for so many beautiful duas. Hey, Ameen. Ameen. Okay, Sister Nazneen, let's jump right in. So we are taking a look at obesity. First and foremost, what is obesity and how does it affect one's health? Okay, so um, if you look at the specific um, explanation from the World Health Organization, I mean, it's quite highfalutin, but essentially when you start uh, defining um, obesity and overweight, they are defined as abnormal or excessive fat accumulation, which has an adverse effect on your health, right? And there is a classification which um, uh, the World Health Organization uses, and this is the body mass index, which basically gives you an idea of how heavy you are for your height. Um, And that is basically saying that, you know, um, you should be within a specific range. And this is calculated quite simply. So you take your weight and you divide it over the square of your height. So for example, if you weigh 70 kilos and you are 1.5 meters tall, it's 70 divided by 1.5 square. But essentially what this then gives you an indication is that that index that comes out is if you're overweight, that value will be equal to or more than 25 and obesity will be equal to or more than 30. However, I have to say that um, we are looking at different ways to classify overweight and obese because we've realized that this doesn't really work, especially if you're an athlete, etc. However, it's also a nice uh, tool to look at a measuring tape, and there are different cut-off points for um, a waist circumference for men and for women, and this can very nicely indicate whether you fall in the overweight or obese um, category. Okay, Jazakallah for that. So, so obviously, then we be speaking about our BMI. Is that it, right? Could that the same thing? Okay, so now when you look at a person's weight and you think, you know, I, especially for myself, you know, I will, I, Alhamdulillah, I also went through a massive weight loss. And looking at, you know, the starting of this whole journey, a lot of people ask you, what is your secret? And I, I, I find that because the understanding is so incorrect, where you feel that what works for one person is going to work for the next person. And, you know, where, whereas I am a, quite a tall person, my, my weight loss and amount is not going to be the same as somebody else. And I think we kind of struggle with that. You know, when, you, when you're looking at sizes, whether it's small, medium, large, and you realize after a while that those things don't matter because your body type might be different, right? So 
Let's take us through abnormal weight gain. How does that differ from just your everyday, okay, I'm five kilos overweight, etc.? Okay, so I want to make a, a very quick clarification here. When we're looking at obesity and overweight, it's a long-term uh, result of overeating, of genetics, of um, environmental factors. Okay, so like if you not exercise for a very long time, uh, you know, you basically have a sedentary lifestyle. So that will literally generate the pathway for overweight and obese. When we look at abnormal weight gain or abnormal, um, uh, you know, that you've, you've basically gotten to that point for several, because of several other factors. One, it could be menopause, and that's one of the biggest uh, reasons that you have this abnormal weight gain. That's the first one. Um, things like depression and anxiety are also a very big factor that play a role in uh, abnormal weight gain, okay? And it, it's literally almost, you know, like you, you were fine last month and all of a sudden, hey, what's happened? You know, you picked up three kilos on the scale and that's just not normal. Um, and it does happen. Um, you know, sometimes also you go on holiday and you've had a very relaxed time. So that, those are different uh, conditions. But the health conditions that generate or, or are predisposing factors for abnormal weight gain, are like what I've mentioned to you now already, but also... Certain medications will uh, have side effects, you know, especially if somebody is on the birth control pill or if they're on diabetes medication. Um, other reasons, would you believe, um, would cause weight gain is if you're not sleeping well. So if you've got something called sleep apnea and you're up a lot of the time in the middle of your sleep, you don't even realize it, but you basically, with sleep, sleep apnea, you... Um, stop breathing for a small period of time in your sleep pattern and this can actually cause weight gain um, and also having erratic sleep patterns are also a very uh, important uh, contributing factor to, uh, to abnormal weight gain but other things are also very uh, important you know a lot of people um, quit smoking and then all of a sudden they need something to satisfy that uh, addiction and um, you know they end up increasing the appetite. So that's also another way in which your um, weight can escalate without even realizing. But um, I must say though, you know, if it is not a genetic factor, the mm. chances are, and also maybe not hormonal, the chances right. are that you could, you could actually drop that weight quite uh, quickly, you know, especially right. if you recognize it and you go back to um, the basics. Um, mm. Whereas obesity and overweight is a much more concerted effort because obesity, now you've actually reached a level of classification um, yes. that says, okay, you know what, you've, you're carrying too much weight for your height. Um, mm. and, and that becomes a bit of a challenge. There's lots of uh, health issues associated with that as well. And and when you now look at obesity, and I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, when you were saying about the actual the relationship with our food and things like that, right? So do you feel that this large, like in our societies, is that a massive reason why we suffer from so much of obesity? Oh, 100 percent. Um, you know, um, I, I did a show for Radio Islam once about obesity specifically, and we uncovered, and even with the listenership, I think, we uncovered that, you know, obesity is... So first of all, the statistics reveal that we are in, it's a little epidemic that we have in, in no. South Africa and also in developing countries. You think that it's just, you know, a first world country issue because they have affluence, but that's, this is not true. Obesity develops from um, eating too much, not doing enough, and the environmental factors that your body is exposed to. So it is a huge problem in our communities. Um, and we do find that with, um, you know, especially with COVID, we've been sitting behind 
computers and we've been sitting at home and we've done online trainings and online schooling. So our, our tendency to vegetate in front of a screen has, uh, you know, the propensity for, for uh, uh, that has increased. And as a result, you know, we're not as active as we used to be. And this has becoming a a burgeoning problem. But what's really scary, Mu'alima, is that we find that obesity is becoming a huge problem in children under the age of five. Oh, that's so sad, subhanAllah. And it, and it and makes you also realize just how, how you know, important is, uh, it is for us to take this problem and to start focusing our, in our homes, our education, and especially in our schools as well. Uh, Sister Nazin, I want you to ask you now, you know, when, when you go through the it's, you know, abnormal weight gain, whether it's obesity, whatever it is, how important is your blood tests and your blood levels in determining this? So there are certain tests that we uh, as dietitians would request, you know, especially if we see uh, the, the situation. So first of all, you do your assessment and you see some clinical features that will basically dictate which bloods you would send a patient for. But if there is abnormal weight gain, we'll probably look at thyroid hormones. So if there's a thyroid malfunction or misfunction, that's one of the reasons that we, one of the conditions that we will try to eliminate. Then we look at your glucose and your insulin um, to make sure that, you know, there isn't anything called um, polycystic ovarian syndrome or what we call insulin resistance, or it's classified as metabolic syndrome. Um, we also check um, uh, male and female hormones um, because if it is menopausal weight gain, you know, obviously there are certain things that we assist with to help with regulating those hormones. So that's also a test that we will do for, um, uh, for weight loss. Those are the three main ones that we look at, but other things that we don't eliminate or that we, we try not to exclude is, you know, sometimes you can have a nutrition deficiency or you can be eating something or have excluded something from your diet that would actually help with your progress. Often you find that obese patients or patients that are trying to lose weight dump a whole food group and they've been doing it for such a long time that it actually results or manifests in nutrition deficiencies. And sometimes you need those nutrients to actually help you lose weight. And another one would be um, your essential fatty acids. You know, so that's a very important one, your omega-3s, etc. So that's also something that we keep a check on. So the blood tests go in conjunction with the clinical assessment. But in terms of sending you for blood tests, those are the main ones that we will look at. So the thyroid, the insulin and glucose, some hormones, and then also we will um, check your bloods in terms of the full blood count for iron and vitamin D deficiencies. Okay, so Alhamdulillah, that clarifies that for us a little bit. And now, when you look at, uh, you know, the South African Health Department, they've been putting out a lot of ads regarding the overusage of salt. And uh, Alhamdulillah, it's taken me about three, four years to cut it out of our diets, and it was really, really difficult. But can you explain to us what the role of salt and why does it, you know, make it such that we all crave these snacks and things? Okay, so first of all, eating too much salt can contribute to high blood pressure, and it can worsen and pre-existing uh, high blood pressure condition, right? Um, and if you have consistent salt when you have high blood pressure, this can lead to other conditions like heart failure, heart attack. You can end up with uh, kidney problems, uh, sometimes stroke, you know, um, even a fluid or water retention. Um, so the idea is that you don't want to cut out salt completely, but you want to reduce the, the content of salt in your um, dietary intake. Now, the challenge is that most of the convenience foods that we get today, 
are loaded with salt. My guideline to people at home is that resort to the basics again. I'm a big believer in preparing home-cooked meals, a huge believer in that. In that way, you're already cutting out 70% of the unnecessary salt intake because you're not buying processed foods. And when you are cooking at home, you want to control the amount of salt there. Because again, remember that as much as it is contributing to, if you have high blood pressure and if you're having excess amounts of salt, it can certainly contribute to worsening that condition. But we do need salt in our bodies. Salt is a very important uh, nutrient or, or element that helps us with our the pumping of our hearts, with muscle contractions, etc. So the suggestion is not to eliminate it completely, but to be savvy about it and to understand that it's the packaged foods that you want to kind of eliminate from your diet and return to cooking home-cooked meals um, for you and your family. Um, you know, at the same time, Mo'alima, uh, they talk a lot about Himalayan salt and rock salt, etc. I just wanted to debunk a myth here. Is that, oh, this is uh, fascinating for me. Okay. <laughs> so there's so many varieties. I, I think there's pink and black and rock. And salt is salt. Okay, at the end of the day, salt is salt. And there are um, uh, benefits to the minerals that you, you want to take in, right? Um, but essentially, you want to curb all of that. The challenge that happens when somebody says, oh, you know what, Himalayan salt is better than pink salt, or pink salt is better than table salt, whichever way that they're going nowadays, is that when you feel like when somebody tells you it's better for you, the tendency is to overuse that product. And you've then just ended up with square one because the the health halo that one puts around um you know a certain product or ingredient etc becomes almost law and you feel like oh no you know i could actually go to town with using this product so again salt is salt however be very aware of the amount that you are using I'm, did I just, I'm, really, did I just, I'm laughing so I'm laughing so much at this one because you know because every every month I'm like you know going to Woolies and making sure I'm getting the perfect one and but Alhamdulillah I'm glad you you, you clarified that for us so you know when it comes to food now as a dietitian I I want to ask you you know that you I'm sure you've had many cases and you've had many frustrations as well right so what are some of the you know the the general um, sort of mishaps that people make in their lives but they don't want to change it. You know it's incorrect, but you don't want to change it. Could you guide us on that a little bit? Yeah, so I think we grow up with a lot of habits that are passed down from generation to the next, you know. And those are the ones that are the worst um, ones to be able to shake off. Some of them are good. I mean, I can't um, um, dust all of them. I can't throw them all out with the bath water, you know. Um, but essentially, there are a few that we, we get so stuck to and we are so... Um, we find so difficult to, to shake. And And one of them would be... Um, the again, a health halo around fruit juices. Um, for me, that is one of the biggest, biggest um, challenges in my practice because people say, oh, well, you know, I don't drink fizzy drinks and uh, I would have a glass of fruit juice every day, maybe for lunch and for dinner. And if you look at the sugar content in fruit juice, it's almost as equal to something that you'd find in a, a, a carbonated beverage, you know. So, yes, because we think it's healthier and because we feel like, oh, it comes, it's, there's no sugar added here. We're going to drink copious amounts of it and it's going to be good for me. The challenge is that we have no 
limits on that then. And anything in a great amount is not good for you. Um, so that's one of them. The other one is um, this myth of, you know, if I use coconut oil, it's going to be healthier for me. Um, no, that's not true. Coconut oil has had some research done on it. However, the coconut oil that has found to have beneficial effects are that ones that you would find in a chemical lab, not the one that's made in a uh, commercial plant. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, I'm, I'm not saying all of them are bad, but you have to really know your product. So as a holy grail of oil or butter or fat, for example, for me, it's extra virgin olive oil. And that is very important to keep in mind. However, when I say that, I also want to put a disclaimer. That doesn't mean that you can go crazy with olive oil and just use it, you know, as you need and, you know, uh, make sure that you pour liters and liters into your food. Um, fat is fat at the end of the day, and it is going to increase your waistline if you're using too much more than you need. But it is the best um, source of good um, omegas for your heart. So that's what I'm going to say in terms of um, fat. Um, also, I think there's this huge, huge myth or, um, you know, challenge that I face in my practice all the time is that, Patients will come and say, you know, I've cut out carbs completely. And there is no place for cutting out carbs completely unless you're on a ketogenic diet. And the ketogenic diet in practice is not indicated for weight loss. It's indicated for epilepsy. So that's also a huge challenge that I try to, you know, debunk or myth that I try to debunk. I can go on and on. There's so many, actually. Um, maybe we must do a show specifically about those myths, but um, I hope I've kind of tied it up exactly. No, definitely. You. I'm just laughing because I'm sure my husband, when he listens to this, he's just going to say, and please stop pouring the olive oil. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, it's just, I love the flavor of it to the garlic and just so beautiful. But I, I actually, inshallah, I hope we can get you back on. Just, you know, um, cooking with, like, like you're saying, uh, coconut oil, but there's so many different options out there, like soya and, you know, and there's also like uh, avocado oils and things. I, I would really like to know how do those in Impact our foods and how is it building in our, you know, one is losing weight, but the other is eating healthy. So, mm-hmm. inshallah, may Allah make it that you come back soon. So, I mean, just to end up now, would you be able to explain to us fatigue and, you know, how is fatigue related to our in overall weight, our sleeping, and our diet, please, if possible? So remember, when you are overweight, your, your blood needs to pump through a greater surface area, okay? And blood is a carrier of oxygen. So for it to reach your brain or your lungs or your heart or what, whichever way that it's the travel or the journey that it's taking, it's going to need a lot more oomph. It's going to need, need a lot more pumping. It's going to need a lot more effort to reach um, the, the organs. And also with the oxygen, we carry um, iron. So iron and oxygen bind together in the blood. And this is then carried to the different organs. Now, if you have a greater surface area of body and in in the same way you have less iron because it needs to manufacture more iron. Um, as a result, this combination of iron and oxygen is impaired. And because it's not getting to your um, your organs in time or it's not getting sufficiently to your organs, the challenge is, you know, I'm struggling to breathe. And when you don't breathe properly, you get tired, um, you know, you get uh, drained. There's a whole lot of concentration issues. So that is inherent in most overweight and obese uh, people. Um, it's not 
a uh, exclusive it's not something that I can say, you know, you copy and paste across all um, obese people because some people do eat enough, um, you know, uh, to be able to sustain themselves. However, as a, as a general rule, that's one of the huge reasons. But also, if you have a bigger surface area, you should, you know, bigger uh, to weight to carry around, there's just that much more that you need to, to drag along and you will be tired. You're not getting in the right nutrition or the right nutrients to be able to carry this extra weight around. Um, because if you are obese, you're obviously eating a, a very poor diet. Um, and as a result, this is just going to perpetuate and you are going to be tired because of the lack of nutrients, the lack of oxygen, the lack of iron, and very importantly, the lack of activity. Okay. Just to end off, can you please give our listeners a, just a little bit of advice on how they can get a hold of you and inshallah goals and advices to live by. Barakallah Fiki. Um, so my, my rule of thumb is that it's not an overnight journey to, um, you know, shaking off the extra kilos. And also you need to set yourself uh, um, realistic goals to be able to do it because there is um, help available. And when you've found the right healthcare professional and the right dietitian to take you in this, on this journey, the success is, is almost guaranteed because it's a joint effort. And I want to say that, you know, it is not a diet that's going to hang on your fridge door for a period of time. This, is, has, this has to be a mindset change. It has to be an effort that's put over a long period of time so that you can start developing new habits and that you can actually start living your best life. So there is help available and there are lots of accredited, responsible dietitians that are familiar with the journey. And I would suggest that you reach out to anyone that you feel comfortable with. Do not take advice from just any Tom, Dick or Harry. I must say that dietitians have got the degree in being able to take you through this journey. You know, um, choose one that you really, really trust and stick with them. Don't listen to too many pieces of advice. In terms of getting in touch with me, um, you can contact me on my Instagram page and it's my dietitian says so. And uh, inshallah, you can even send me an email if you want at info at mydietitian.co.za. For joining us today in Hayatun Tayyiba. May Allah subhanahu wa bless you for your time, inshallah. And inshallah, we'll chat again soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Beloved listeners, you've been listening to Hayatun Tayyiba with myself, Malima Shakira Hanta. Inshallah, we'll be back after the break. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum jami'an, ayyuhal mustami'een wal mustami'aat. Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International, welcome back to Hayatun Tayyiba with myself, Malima Shakira Hanta, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. Alhamdulillah, we always thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us opportunities to learn, to develop, to change, and to build a life that is طيب, hayatun tayyiba. And every Wednesday afternoon, we focus on building our connection to the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the Quran. And today, inshallah, we are going to be focusing on a beautiful, beautiful word and a very, you know, deep word that Allah speaks about. And we are going to look at how you and I can attain this in our lives. How do we develop our own connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this word, awliya. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his kalam, Allah speaks about himself and he says he is the wali. He is the representative or he is the close friend or the guardian of the believers. Allahu wali yul ladheena amanu. So Allah says that he is that wali. 
And then Allah refers to the close friends of his and he calls them his awliya, those very, very, very close and beloved friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are on this journey, on an incredible journey to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala our wali and for us to become the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the close friends of Allah, the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you now look at what does this word awwali mean first and foremost from the from the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So it it is you know technically it means to, to get close, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he becomes your representative and when, when we speak about a marriage and when we look at a marriage, you always have to have a wali. And a woman has a wali. And you always think because of the woman's voice is not something that is that can be taken you know into that open space so her wali is her representative now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this word wali and he is our representative and it is such a beautiful word in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for us when we are unable to represent ourselves. He's there all the time. But when you find that weakness and Allah is there, subhanAllah, and Allah is our wali, he's our representative. And then when we build this relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we become his wali. And then he does many different things so that he builds and he develops this connection. Now, when we think about, you know, the, um, the word awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find that these are specific people who they, you know, find such joy and such sincerity and such beauty in their worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah chooses them for his, for his ta'a, for his obedience and for his ibadah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them this great, great honor of giving them his love. And when you think about the honor that Allah gives, gives them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them from so much of his honor that so much of their needs and their so many of their desires, so many of their worries, all of their it all gets taken care of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah loves them to such an extent that he actually gets bring, take, makes them closer and closer and closer to them. And they love Allah and they respect Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them. So it is a beautiful relationship and both ways subhanAllah they these are the people who they live by the ta'a of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the obedience of Allah, they love that which Allah loves and they hate that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. They stay away from anything that they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes. And every single thing that they want, when they ask, they ask Allah and Allah gives it to them, subhanAllah. When they need any uh, help in their lives, they don't go to other people. They go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the beautiful thing. As soon as they ask Allah for help, Allah gives them this help subhanallah and as soon as they you know they're looking for for any kind of refuge Allah gives them that refuge they have the qualities of deep 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 iman and taqwa they the, you know why you will you will always see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them this honor and Allah gives them glad tidings both in this world and in the akhirah <coughs> And the reality is that when a person is a mu'min, both you and I listening in, subhanAllah, we might think, oh yeah, this is such a difficult thing. How do I achieve this? It's so impossible for me to become a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the reality is that every believer, when you are a mu'min, we are all, and you have taqwa, you are on that journey to be the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now we have to hone this journey, develop this journey until we get this closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what happens is that when you 
you now, you know, you when you are on your journey to Allah, we are in different darajah, different ranks. So we have to start you know, making muhasaba, we take ourselves into accountability, we look at our lives, we start to think of our lives, think of where we are, where do I want to get to, how do, how far do I want to take my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do I want to be a person who is just starting to learn how to swim or do I want to go into the deep end and drown in that love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I want to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so, you know, there are so many different types and levels, the anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam obviously are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you get the awliya which is you know from the Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'een then you get the, the, the mu'mineen so our focus now is Ya Allah I want to be from your from, from, from these special special servants of yours how do I get there how do I get your complete help and love and subhanallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the Quran the ayat in Surah Yunus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he says listen take heed take heed of something quite important and what is this important statement Allah says A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim ala Take heed and most certainly the friends of Allah. Inna awliya Allahi la khawfun alayhim wa The first statement that Allah gives that the awliya of Allah, these beloved close friends of Allah, they don't have khawf and they don't have huzn. Now what is khawf and what is huzn? They don't experience any fear or any grief. SubhanAllah, this doesn't mean that they don't get challenged. This doesn't mean that they don't go through difficulties and tests. In reality, they might be going through more tests than anyone else does. But SubhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the state of their iman, they don't experience it like the way many other people might. They have the solace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the solace of Allah's companionship. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it carries on to explain what are their qualities. Those who have iman and they have taqwa. They have this intense consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every moment and everything they are doing, they are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their heart is aware, their mind is aware. Every interaction, talking to people, shopping, going anywhere, whatever it is they do, they have this consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah gives you a beautiful promise and gives me and, and you, subhanAllah, such a beautiful promise. He says, They will have the glad tidings in this world and the next. And that is the beauty of being the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being a friend of Allah, choosing to be the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that Allah not only takes care of you in this world, but He takes care of you in this world and he takes care of you in the akhirah, subhanAllah. This world and in the akhirah. You get the glad tidings and you'll find, subhanAllah, the way Allah looks after these people. And Allah make us from amongst them, subhanAllah. And Allah ends the surah and he says, This ayah, That is in reality a great, great success. So Allah determines for us 
What is the true meaning of success? And what is the success that we are supposed to be working towards and we are supposed to be trying to bring into our lives, subhanAllah, right? So, beloved listeners, this is in Surah Al-Yunus where Allah says, Awliya. Can you hear this word, Awliya? Right. In Surah Al-Anfal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again uh, says the same, word, the same word. But Allah, you know, in this word, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies what, something quite important. Allah says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وما كانوا أولياءه إن أولياءه إلا المتقون Allah's friends are only those who are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are only conscious of Allah Now, the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has filled it filled it with examples of his awliya Allah constantly constantly gives us different examples of his awliya we we know when Zakaria used to enter upon Maryam she was one of those chosen servants of Allah who had such a deep deep connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such a deep relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when Zakaria would go to her he would find this risk he would find this sustenance and you know he would ask her he would ask her all the time he would say قَالَ يَا مَرْيَمُ هَذَا Oh, Maryam, where did you find this? Where did you get this from? And what would she say? With complete and total stillness and complete, complete iman. She would say, قَالَتْ هُوَ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ This is from Allah. Now, beloved listeners, when you and I are looking at our lives and we are looking at the needs that we have, we always say, this is from this person, so-and-so sent me this, so-and-so sourced me out, so-and-so. SubhanAllah, when you and I can get this understanding that it is from Allah, the quiet faith and iman, this intense relationship that, Ya Allah, you will always be there for me, you will always provide for me, you will always do for me, SubhanAllah, then Allah takes care of your needs. And when you look at, you know, SubhanAllah, the story of Yunus, the story of Ibrahim, every one of them, you know, each one one of them when you think about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave each and every one of them from his untold and his chosen mercy and his chosen rahmah and subhanallah this is you know like when Allah made the fire cool for his khalil for his best friend Ibrahim والسلام, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked after the ashabul kahf the people of the cave they chose to be the friends of Allah they chose to be pious they chose to leave the vice that was happening around them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected their bodies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that their iman was intact. And Allah made it that when the time was right, they were able to come back, subhanAllah, right? Now, beloved listeners, when you look at the different kinds of 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 of, uh, of awliya, and we've looked at these examples from the ayat of the Quran, let us go to the hadith al-Qudsi and see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he promise those who choose and who ask Allah to make them from his, from his awliya. So 
as you are listening to this, inshallah, for myself and for all of you, we make dua that Allah makes us from His beloved. Allah, we ask you to give us those actions that will bring us closer to you and make us from your awliya. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a hadith al-Qudsi, He says, and this is so beautifully framed, Allah, but the wording is excellent. It's just, you know, when you think of the kalam of Allah, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's always to give us comfort. So Allah says, مَنْ that person who declares or who has enmity to my friend, then I declare a war on him. So first and foremost, when you become the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are now under this complete, complete protection of Allah. Anybody who get you know who 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 seeks to harm you, you they are directly fighting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us. وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُهُ عَلَيْهِ So the first level is that you are fulfilling all your fara'id. You are fulfilling all that which Allah has made fard upon you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهِ and this is the criterion, right? So the first thing is you have to ensure that all your compulsory acts are fulfilled. If you want to be on this path of being the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to make sure and ensure that all your fara'id are being fulfilled. But then added to that, what you have to understand is the fara'id is what is compulsory upon you. It's obligatory. That is just the basic. But if you want the total and complete love of Allah, you want to become his wali, you have to now see how can I get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with voluntary acts? And this is what Allah is saying. Allah says that He gets closer to me and closer to me with these acts of no, uh, voluntary acts. So when you start looking at, you know, I, I need to do some sadaqah, I need to assist in my house, I need to assist with my family, I need to cook some food for these people who are sick, I need to visit this person, I need to, subhanAllah, when you look at the amount of voluntary acts you can do, Allah says, until I will love him. And that is a beautiful promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you gain this love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah, you know, frames it for us so beautifully. He says that, you know, when you do these actions, and you do these actions, and Allah begins to love you. But why do you do that? Why do you want this love of Allah? Allah says, فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُ كُنْتُ سَمْعُهُ الَّذِي كُنْتُ سَمْعُهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ وَبَصْرُهُ الَّذِي يَبْصُرُ بِهِ I become his ears that he hears with, and I become his eyes that he sees with, subhanAllah. And you are not relying on yourself. Everything is totally and completely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَدَهُ الَّتِي يَبْتِشُ بِهَا وَرِجْلُهُ الَّتِي يَمْشِي بِهَا I even become his hand and I even become his foot, his feet that he walks with subhanAllah. So everything that you do, everything now, you're listening, you're, you're, you're seeing, you're to touch, you're walking, everything is under this subhanAllah beautiful, beautiful assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, so the first part of it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects you. And anybody who has enmity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares a war on those people. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it such that you, you complete your fara'id. With your nawafil, Allah loves you. Then Allah becomes everything that you can, that you do. Allah is what, Allah is, you know, you can't even say Allah is assisting you. Allah is actually doing it. And then Allah says, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلَنِي لَأُعْتِيَنَّهِ And if he asks me, I will 
definitely give it to him. I love this part. You know what he said? Allah says, Wala in sa'alani if he asks me without a doubt. Can you see this? That noon, that noon is the noon of emphasis. It's a there's no doubt. Anything you ask, Allah will give. And I'm sure most of you listening to this, there's so many people that you know that you think, oh my word, they always get what they want. Everything that they do, they get it. Why do they always get it and we don't? And subhanAllah, the reason is because they have gotten so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with so many acts of nawafil until to such an extent that they're so close to Allah to such an extent that Allah gives them Anything that they ask, may Allah make us from amongst those people, subhanAllah. May Allah allow us to become people who when we make dua, immediately our duas are accepted, subhanAllah. Then, And when he seeks refuge in me, then without a doubt I grant him that refuge, subhanAllah. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this hadith al-Qudsi, he explains to us and he puts it forward to us that Taking this time and effort every day to ask yourself, what actions can I do to become from those people who become the awliya of Allah, the wali of Allah? How do I get so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that my needs are fulfilled by Him? Now, inshallah, we, go, we are going to delve into some beautiful stories of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een and see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala became this, you know, how this was fulfilled in their lives. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us something very important. He says, Inna lillahi rijalan. That most certainly that they are people, they are servants, they are men. Allah says that they are, Nabi says they are certain men. If they take a qasm upon Allah, they say, Wallahi, Allah will do this and this and this. Immediately Allah will fulfill it, subhanAllah. Because of this relationship that they have with Allah, this deep, deep relationship that they have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Every single thing that they say, if they take a qasam, they take an oath, Allah will fulfill that oath. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them to that extent because of the relationship that they share. So when we now, you know, um, when we when, when we now look at our lives and we ask ourselves, we ask ourselves, am I of these people? Am I of these people who when I make a qasam, when I when I make dua, first of all, does my duas get accepted immediately? When I ask Allah, how is the, what is the quality of my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that is the maqsad of the Qur'an, the objective of the Qur'an. It's not for us to merely read it, but to read it and to, and to breathe into our lives. And most importantly, most importantly, for us to develop this desire to be from the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.